we won a national championship for for Ole Miss and um, all the past players and all the fans across the country and for the state of Mississippi and the University of Mississippi, uh, we did it. And, uh, we're national champs. Breaking ball. Tommy White. First pitch swinging. In the air to center. D'Onofrio back and it's gone! The legend continues! Got him swinging! The Campbell Campbells, the dynasty of the Big South. And now Tony Vitello bumps the third base umpire. Set. He'll throw that as a line drive in the gap. Did he do it again? It is another ball in the gap for Morrell. Another extra. Oh, that is gone. A home run for Brian Morrell. Swing and a ball driven. Way back. And foul. No, gone. He did it. Ortiz kept it just there and walks it off with a grand slam. What is up, college baseball fans? Welcome to the weekend number eight preview podcast. Joined here with Dimitri, and I mean, hey, Dimitri, let's just go ahead and say it. You're over in Italy now, about to start your Italian league season. How are you feeling? A little jet lagged right now? What? You jet lagged? Nope. Slept five hours in the middle of the afternoon. Um, so I guess I'm nocturnal now. I'll be wide awake. But hey, the grind never stopped. The content never stopped. No matter what corner of the world I am in. Um, you have to defend your championship over there. Yep. Got to defend my back-to-back championship. Back-to-back Italian League championships. So we kept it a secret from you guys, but here we are. Spilling the news, wanted to make sure Dimitri got over there first, but um, you won't see any kind of maybe slight adjustments to our our content on social media and our podcast. We might be recording episodes different times. Like for example, this is this is six thirty p.m. Eastern time on Wednesday that we're recording this weekend series preview, um, which feels nice for me, but it's past midnight for you. I mean, hey, for me, it's just another episode. <laughs> we do this shit all the time anyway, so. Yeah. Um, yeah. Hey, just quick question. I mean, on air, did my did my sound good with the mic? Yeah. I mean, you sound fine to me. We'll figure out whenever I edit the podcast after. But um, well, I, I mean, it's too late, dude. I mean, it's too late. <laughs> We're not recording okay. all. Well, if it, yeah, we won't redo it. I'll just try my best to edit it if it sounds bad. But um, the reason why we're doing it on Wednesday is because it is Easter weekend. So. Almost every single series across the nation is going to be Thursday, Friday, Saturday. And there's a few games Sunday, but the the main series, the ones that we're going to focus on, start on Thursday. So we didn't want to wait until after game yeah. one to uh, record a podcast. So we got it in uh, a day early. So hopefully you guys enjoy that. 
Um, but yeah, this episode, um, we, don't, we don't work on Easter Sunday, so don't expect much on Sunday. We got to record a podcast Sunday. But that can be we like to work Sunday. after midnight for me. So it's technically Monday morning. I don't work on Sunday. Okay, that's fair. Um, okay. But anyway, so this episode brought to you by our two premier sponsors, Yakker Tech and Circa. Um, you guys have heard me talk about them a hundred times now. Um, but you know, they've been great to us. And if you guys want to support us, go ahead and show them some some support. Wow, that was a tongue twister. Show them some support. Uh, go visit their sites, their social media, follow them on social media, check out their websites. Um, Yakker Tech is uh, they have a really cool website. You can learn about their products there. And then, of course, Circa Resorts and Sportsbook in Las Vegas. Book your trip there because we will be there um, in June, start of the College World Series, um, as a little meet and greet. So if you haven't already, book your trip that first weekend of the College World Series. Meet us there. We're going to be hanging out on the rooftop, placing bets on the College World Series, and um, we hang out with us. It'll be fun. But anyways, before we move forward here, um, kind of the layout of the show today is going to be back to our traditional method. We're going to recap the midweeks because this midweek was wild. I think there was nine upsets over ranked teams, which was cool. It was It was entertaining to watch yesterday. And then, of course, we'll preview the weekend and do our weekend series pick em picks for our six series. Um, those six series I'm going to run by just real fast so the listeners know what to expect. But Florida at Tennessee, LSU at South Carolina, UC Santa Barbara at Fullerton, Oregon State at Oregon, Abilene Christian at Sam Houston, and Boston College at Louisville. All of those series have like big time conference implications. Like for example, Abilene at Sam Houston State, that's going to be it's for fun. the first. Who's going to be in first place in the WAC at the uh, at the end of the weekend? Isn't that crazy that we're talking about two teams fighting it out for worth in Grand Canyon is in one of them? I know. Yeah, I mean that that surprises me. And when I was doing my my um, field of sixty four projections, which I released on Twitter today. Um, kind of just showing the fans what the tournament would look like. Oh, you released one? Oh, you, you, you posted your I posted projection. it today. And it was just to give the fans a better idea of like what they're looking at. And Grand Canyon didn't make the cut, and they weren't even in like the first four teams out. Like Grand Canyon's pretty far down the list as of right now, which is shocking because I believe my first my first regional – I mean – uh, field of 64 projection i had grand canyon hosting a regional after that second weekend <laughs> and it's like look how fast things can change this this is crazy how fast shit can change um but i think i'm gonna do my first regional projection next week after this weekend yeah i think after this week it'll be the halfway mark for the season it'd be well, I, no i thought last weekend was week seven we're we're seven weeks through with seven to go so the season's 16 weeks if you count conference tournament. 14. 16 if you count conference tournament. I guess there is like a bye week most teams get. So maybe that's during, what we're throwing off. Week. I don't think we're halfway yet. Maybe we are. I guess we are, like games okay, played-wise. Northeastern 20, played 28 games. A lot of teams have played 28 or 30 games. That's half. That's half. That's halfway. You're right. Dang. Halfway. 
I'm a weird yeah, guy. Rice State, 28 game. Miami, Ohio, 30. Xavier, 29. Lehigh, 30. Villanova, 27, 28. Yeah, so we're, we're, we're through the halfway mark. Jeez, man, it flies by. Crazy um, how fast this shit went, went by. All right, so let's do this here. Let's let's start up with um, midweek recap, okay? So right. when um, going into yesterday, I was kind of thinking, you know, we, we're probably going to see a couple upsets. Like we're going to see some teams sleepwalk and and lose a game that they shouldn't. And for for the most part, midweek games don't mean much at this point in the season because all your focus is on Friday, Saturdays, and Sundays. You know, the weekend conference games. But on the other hand, how can, how can you say that though? How can you sit here and say that with a straight face midweek don't matter that much right now? To some teams. Oh, you oh, know, I, I was okay. I was actually in the middle, I'm about halfway through a blog that I was gonna post. I completely forgot about it. But it's um it's it's kind of ironic how this blog is titled Midweeks mean everything to some teams and nothing to other teams. And here's an example. Nice. Like here's hey, by an the example. Way, by the way, I'm before you get into your thing, I'm going to need you to send me your email with the three blog things you've done um, this week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, <laughs> sure. I'll send it over to you. Yes, sir. Um, no, but like, for example, uh, a team like Oklahoma State, midweeks right now, they don't matter to them because they're in first place in the Big 12. And if you finish in first place in the conference, um, if you're a Power 5 team, for the most part, you're going to host a regional. And like Oklahoma State, of course, like they want to win their midweek games, but they're not gassing themselves out to beat Wichita State. They're not going to bring their weekend starters in. And if mm -hmm. they're closer through four innings, three innings on Sunday or something like that, they're not going to bring him back. Yeah. Like that's the difference from exactly. the most part between these teams. They're going to try to win. They're just not going to use the same personnel. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but like a team like Wichita State, which beat Oklahoma State in the midweeks, like their midweeks do matter because you get a couple wins over power five teams or ranked teams, um, which I'm looking up their schedule right now, but that helps their RPI tremendously since like they don't play in a strong enough conference. Um, so for example, like Wichita state on the other hand, like midweeks mean a lot to them because like they need an RPI boost. Um, so for example, like they beat Oklahoma state yesterday in the midweek. Like, that's great. Well, here are the rest of their midweek games. They have Oklahoma, Kansas State, Oklahoma State again, Kansas, Kansas State, Oral Roberts, which is pretty high RPI for a mid-major team. Um, so you look at those, those four or five midweek games remaining, like they need to go out and win those games to boost their resume and boost their RPI because like right now the American Conference is, is probably only going to get one team in it um, in the tournament, and that's East Carolina. The rest – kind of set themselves far back. Um, I don't know. What are your thoughts on that? Like a team, do you kind of agree with that? How midweeks mean a lot to some teams, but don't mean anything to others? I think we've established that as long as possible. Most power five schools. I mean, if you're, let's just say you're a borderline team, like for example, just out of nowhere, for example, Arizona, let's say Arizona 50 RPI-ish at the end of the year, their RPI come back to matter. If they, mm -hmm. if they, let's say they, you know, got some big wins over Grand Canyon, they got a big win over, let's just say Texas went out to play Grand, uh, Arizona for a two-game midweek series. 
then those, those midweeks come back to matter. So it all it depends on each team situation. Like typically power five RPI is not impactful and important as a mid as a mid-major team, but at the end of the day, the difference between a team hosting and not hosting could come down to big big midweek wins or because let's say they're pretty even in the standing, like fourth mm-hmm. in the SEC, second in the Big Twelve, or third in the Big Twelve. Like it it's still you it can still be used against you as a measuring stick or a resume um anal, an analyzer. That's a good point. And obviously I think the committee will will value weekend series wins more than anything. Um, yeah, but but it's still it's still a metric that can be used against you or for yeah, you. Yeah, I would say the the midweeks are maybe used as more like tiebreaker stuff. You know, if two Whatever, teams like yeah. had similar regular seasons, like okay, what they do in the midweeks? Because yeah, exactly. Um, and now for the mid major, they can run through the colonial Confer- colonial athletic conference. For example, they can run through that, but have zero marquee midweek win. Committed to be like, ah, they who do they beat? They didn't beat anybody in terms of mm-hmm. a power five team. But now, let's just say you have the third best team in the Sun Belt who kind of struggled in and out, but they ended up doing a pretty good season in the Sun Belt. Not first in their conference, but pretty good Sun Belt. But they also beat LSU. They also beat Ole Miss. They beat whoever all, on their midweek. That can give them a chance to get in over maybe the, conf- the regular season win- winner in the Colonial who lost their conference tournament. Yep, absolutely. Absolutely. That's a good point. Um, and, and I always – like this is for me personally. This, this might – you might disagree with this, but I always like midweeks because in, in like the grand scheme of things, it acts as more of like a regional atmosphere, um, like a day three regional atmosphere where – neither team is starting their best pitchers and they probably don't have a lot of their bullpen available. It's like, who can win these games where you don't have your best guys throwing? So yeah. Depth. So like, for example, coastal Carolina and Clemson, um, this is a bad example because coastal Carolina actually has a lot of good. Maybe I'll pick a different team here. Um, We'll say who else lost yesterday that should have won. Like, let's just, let's say this NC state, uh, no, actually, a better one. FAU and Florida. You're talking about Georgia Southern is the perfect one. Okay, yeah, Georgia Southern. I mean, they lost what their fourth fourth game to either Georgia or Georgia Tech this year. Um, they lost two to Georgia. They lost two to Georgia Tech. They beat Mercer, but that's irrelevant. They lost to Kennesaw State as well. Mm-hmm. So they're losing a lot of their midweeks. Yeah, and and that would be equivalent to losing like maybe the second elimination game in a regional, um, you know, semifinal. Yeah, because, because a Sunday semifinal game regional, regional, it's like. Yeah, a Sunday game in a regular season series, it's probably equivalent to the sixth, seventh, eighth, and ninth inning of game two of a regional. Because you're, most of the time your starters are going four or five innings because your starters are on a short leash, four or five inning game one. You're gonna, if you're in it, you're going to blow your bullpen to try to win that game for five innings. And then game two of a regional, your game two starter, and probably most of your guys going back-to-back days to try to win that game. Game three of the regional is like your, your is equivalent to like you're, you're testing the bottom of your depth chart in your yeah. midweek game. 
because game three of a week regular season on Sunday more like the last four or five innings of game two of a regional. I never thought about it like that, but I do agree with it because Sunday you're going to end up using that starter probably in a game two uh, re- reliever role in in a regional. So depending on obviously depending on how it would go, but yeah, because you don't have you don't have a game three without winning a game one or a game two. Mm-hmm. So that that yeah, that's interesting. I'll have to do do a little bit more thinking on that. Um, here's here's another brain buster here for you, Dimitri. Um, I have this topic written down at large spots or at large teams. I don't even know how to phrase this. It just says at large. So I know we're looking ahead like way too far into the season, but um, but it's so much fun. Yeah, there's just not going to be a lot of at-large opportunities available for non- There never is. Like, if you take away the SEC and the ACC, who are each going to get eight to ten teams in, and the Big 12, which is going to get five, maybe six teams in, um, Pac-12 is going to get four to six, you're looking at, like, 12 at-large spots for the rest of the conferences. And I, mean, I mean, here, here, let's break it down. I see where you're going with it. Let's break it down by the numbers. So there's 34 total. I 34 at large teams. Yes. Let's say the SEC get one automatic bid plus eight more. So 34 minus eight, 26. ACC is going to get one automatic bid plus, let's just say, six at large. For just for hypotheticals right now. So you're at 20 now. 26 minus six, 20. Big 12, probably going to get an automatic plus three. Okay? You're a 17 now. Pac-12 is going to get one automatic plus, let's just say, three, maybe four. Let's just say four for, four for now. You're at 20. You're at um, third. What did I say, 17? Okay, so 13 now. Okay. And then you're going to, let's just say Big Ten is going to get one automatic plus one or two. Let's just say two. You're at 10 or 11 spots left. And then you don't even account for stolen bid. Like, for example, Campbell loses their tournament. That's an automatic one that's gone. Now you're at nine. Pac-12, Big 12, ACSC. And then if you think about a conference like the Sun Belt. Yeah. You're, let's just say one automatic bid plus three. Let's just say three for now. You're at, all right, so this is one thing I want to go back to. The hot, cold, hot theory. I'm going to take credit for one thing. Is that I made it. It is mine. I, it's my idea. Okay, that's a joke. Whatever. But the committee has recency bias when they're making their selection. The team that are hot in the month of May have a better chance than the team that had a similar season, but they were hot February, March, and April. The team that is smoking hot in May is going to get in most of the time because they the committee wants to put the best team in. If they're hot, I mean, they're probably going to continue that hot streak into a regional, which creates a better product. So teams that are hot, cold, and then they fit hot again are going to have the best chance of getting in because they're one hot and then two they had a, a great season comparatively speaking to another team who did a lot of their winning earlier in the season yeah without question that's what the committee's going to do if there's a team that 
let's just say there's two teams that have very similar resumes. If one team is playing better baseball right now, they're going to get in 100% of the time over the team that's not playing good. Mm-hmm. Like it happened last year with Ole Miss. Ole Miss and mm-hmm. NC State. Ole Miss took that last bid from them, and uh, it was because Ole Miss was playing better baseball. But NC I mean, State yeah. probably had a better season. You saw it with 2021 NC State. They rolled into Arkansas, number one national seed, and beat them. Mm-hmm. And it's because they were smoking hot. They were they were playing like the best team in the country for the last three weeks, three, four weeks of the season. Yeah. Yeah. 2021 was crazy because Duke ended the year like winning 19 straight games. And NC State's only loss during like a 15 um a 15 game spell was lost in the ACC championship game to Duke. So Duke and NC State were the two hottest teams in the country. Now Duke didn't make it out of the regional. And Duke didn't make it with wait, would that I thought that was the year they played Bandy in the Super. Duke, no, that was 2019. So Duke in 2021 yeah, played in right, the Tennessee. Right. I think it was the Tennessee regional and they lost right. to Liberty game one. Liberty blew Duke got their asses kicked in that regional. You're right. 2019 yeah. with Duke in the Super against Kumar Rocker, and he absolutely took a big dump on him. Yeah. No hit him. I think like 16 strikeouts, no hit. Yeah, he took. That's what I mean by took a big dump. <laughs> yeah. Um. All right. So, anyways, let's uh let's do this here. Let's go ahead and recap the rest of the midweek. Um, any other big standing points? I know there was about a hundred or hundred upsets. I have a few of them written down uh, right in front of me. So the most recent one was I'm sorry the uh, probably the biggest upset was elon beating wake forest uh now elon was at home and dude elon they're good man like they they beat kentucky let opening me add day. On to that let me build off of that the caa i know hey i will be the first to say it i'm a man of my word we took a sh- we, we kind of talked shit about the caa being super weak and that college charleston was just going to roll through it this year they're four or five pretty legit teams in that conference this year. You've got Elon, you've got Charles, you've got Northeastern, you've got William & Mary, and you've got um, USC Wilmington. All five teams are playing unbelievable right now. And are, honestly, they all look good. They all have a chance. If you want to go you know, into specific schedules and see who has the best chance to win, it's probably the Elon Phoenix. Yeah, Elon Northeastern – um, I mean, this this CAA might get an at-large bid. I had a I had two CAA teams in my regional projections just because they're like there was two teams with an RPI like less than twenty. So, I, I, I mean, if Northeastern, I mean, if Northeastern and Elon keep doing what they're doing, the CAA could very well have two teams given the postseason. Um, one of those te- I mean, the, it's going to come down to, you know, obviously their the RPI is going to drop probably a little bit, but Elon already had a head to head series win over Northeastern. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've been really Legit impressed team. with the CAA. Colonial Athletic. Hey, opening day, opening day, you tweeted after Elon beat it. I, I don't know why I remember that. After Elon beat Kentucky on opening day, you were like, the Elon Phoenix are going to be the real deal. They're going to be the truth this year. 
And you, I know you tweeted it mainly because they had just beat Kentucky opening day, a little hype. And then they lost like a, a, quite a few games after that, like four or five games. And I was like, oh man, maybe they're not going to be very good. And here they are. They're, they're, they're good. So kudos to you. you well, you, the you, reason you, why you, I thought well, that they would be good is because I read D1 Baseball's um, CAA preview. And like preview. they returned a bunch of guys and they had a couple people like con- considered for like uh, preseason all American lists. Maybe they're honorable mention. And I, you know, I was like, okay, like they might be good. We'll see how they play against Kentucky. And they won game one. And I was like, yeah, they're going to be the real deal this year. Um, another storyline here from the, from the midweek, all of the mid major teams that um, are ranked. So there's three of them, coastal Carolina, Yukon, uh, Florida, Gulf Coast. Oh, four. And Campbell. And Campbell. They all lost. Yeah. And it, it's crazy because, like, none of them would be in a position to be ranked if they didn't have midweek wins um, already from earlier this year. And, uh, yeah, it was weird seeing them all lose. And, like, they all lost pretty bad, too. Campbell lost by nine runs to Duke. Uh, FAU beat Florida Gulf Coast by four. UConn was up 12 to nothing on Columbia. And then Columbia outscored them 19 to two the last uh, six innings. And then um, Coastal Carolina got smacked and run ruled by Clemson. They lost by 10. Any of those, Let me ask do you, any of those like worry you? It, how often is it that two teams scored 10 around the one inning in the same game? Oh, that was, you're talking about the, uh, the UConn Columbia game, right? How often did both teams score 10 runs in one inning? This is nuts, man. We're not watching the same college baseball that we're used to. This college no. baseball is is crazy. I mean, there's so many walks. I'm gonna be I'm gonna be the first one to say it. I don't like it. How about this? In that Yukon Columbia game, zero errors, but 33 runs. I mean, you saw Georgia Tech and Boston College this past weekend combined for like 20, I think it was 14 to 12 final or something like that with zero errors. I mean, all of these runs are being scored. Like what we're what we are used to, like in our day of playing college baseball. If there's a ton of runs being scored, it's because of errors. You know, people Walk are walks errors. and errors. Now people are just out slugging teams, and we talk about it every episode. Either the bats are juiced or the balls are juiced. Something is different. Um, if I will say this. If you if you want to see it is my case study and it would probably be my cover video if I ever made an argument that balls were you seventh inning bottom of seventh inning Houston go ahead home run against East Carolina this past weekend the guy took a freaking I'm talking when when you hitting hit uh, here the old school guru talking about swing down on the ball this guy for Houston literally swung down on the ball three feet outside. And he sliced it and hit it off the foul pole down the left field line. It would be most – dude, that, that should be a either flare foul out or a flare foul ball out of the off, out of the field. Yeah. I mean, it was an Ichiro type of swing. He was a left-handed hitter, and he just slapped at it, like poked at it with one hand. And, yeah, I guess he barreled it up. He looked swung down on it too and just sliced it. It, it was – from the camera angle – of watching it, I thought it was going to like go behind the third base dugout, but it ended up hitting the foul pole. It was nuts. It, it, There's it, something it, it, fishy going on. Baseball. That's not baseball. The pitcher won that pitch. Mm-hmm. 
I, I understand he did not win the pitch. The guy hit a home run. But he won that pitch. He got a terrible swing on it. He he hit his spot. The guy made terrible contact. But these balls are just flying off the bat. Yeah. Speaking of that, I mean, we've been holding on to this information for a while. I'm not going to say the team, but there is we got we got inside information from from somebody um, saying that there is a team out there who is being. I don't know. Player got kicked off the team, and now he's releasing videos of this team doing illegal things to their bats. Um, and also, like in the notes, there was like some steroid and PED um, information being leaked. So, if one team is do, I, I don't want to say a hundred percent of team is doing it, but we got pretty, pretty. Uh, I mean, you, you were the one that got. The yeah, it was for, a pretty good from source. One of your friends, from, like, yeah. from one of your friends. So I wouldn't say it's unreliable. It's pretty reliable. The guy, I mean, when you sent, you showed it to me, the guy basically said firsthand, I mean, he had firsthand knowledge of the situation. Mm-hmm. And uh, I get, I don't want to like say the team or anything because I, I don't know if it's public yet, but basically a player got into it with his coaching staff. He got kicked off the team. And then this player started sending videos of them doing illegal stuff to their bats. And also in the emails, like saying that there's PED usage in this program and send it to like the conference and send it to other teams and coaches in the conference. So there might be some news being leaked here pretty soon. If you see it on Twitter, Um, this happened maybe four or five days ago. I haven't seen anything on social media yet. I don't want to be the person to break the news, but if they're if this team is doing it, and um, they're kind of between a mid major and a power five, or they're not a power five, but I mean, go go. I mean, yeah. I mean, the guy the guy that told you this, and and by the way, I know Ben is the one like that brought it up, but I we are not the type of account or people to try to get a step ahead of everybody else. And yeah, try to I don't, believe. I don't care. I don't like that stuff. I don't like that whole, I want to be the first to break the news kind of thing. I don't care because if we break it out, 20 other accounts, blah, 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 per source or blah, blah, per 11.7. It's just like a repetitive. Yeah, we don't want that image. With- and if it's not true, then it's like, we don't want to be bad guys, but. Um, anyway, I the think- guy basically said, he was working, he was doing a job for this person who had direct knowledge of what was going on. Mm-hmm. Um, and that direct person that knew what was going on is also a head coach at another program. So like this is this is like basically all but confirmed. Yeah, I mean it's 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 as confirmed as it is without being confirmed. <laughs> um, it's confirmed without but being confirmed. If it comes out here in the next few days, we might. We, we would definitely comment on it, but I don't want to be the account and I don't want to be the brand um, possibly tarnishing some team or a team that could potentially be in a regional. I mean, shit, um, we already, we already undir- indirectly or we're involved in the firing of an umpire. <laughs> I mean, we did I, mean I feel bad. I still feel bad to this day about it, but I mean, like, it would, I mean, if, even if it was just some umpire, we, we, we put, everybody posts bad umpires. Everybody does it. In the MLB, the minor league, 
shit, the MLB, they're bitching, complaining about umpires 24 7. I yeah. Mean, they're posting their little strike zone and talking about how bad the umpire is based on their, what do they call it? They, like the accuracy report where it's like 98 percentile umpire mm-hmm. or he was really bad, whatever. So, yeah. in that regard, no, I don't feel bad because it wasn't like a isolated incident. It was just that bad that he got fired for it. Yeah. So, what the reason why I brought up that story about this team, um, you know, cheating and uh, rolling their bats and possibly doing like PED stuff. Do you think, I mean, you got to assume other teams are doing it too, right? If one's doing it, another one is doing it. No <laughs> doubt. <laughs> because when we played, when I remember in junior college specifically, uh, around 2014, there was a brand of bats. It was like a white and blue Omaha that like all you had to do was pop the cap off of it. And then inside there's a little BB core ring or whatever you call it. All you have to do is just pull that out and then it becomes a BESR bat. And so I think that bat's now illegal. Like you can't use it anymore. Um, but wait, wait, I don't even, I, I've never even. It was a TPX Omaha. It was like white and blue. And it was the easiest bat in the world to make it um, a BESR bat instead of a BB core. Basically just took yeah, out this I, I ring. Didn't and then you I didn't have, know you could do that. I mean, yeah. we, we, when we were Mercy, even not even me hitting, but we would take, you know, those big orange jet tunnel heater. Yeah. We, we, I mean, obviously we had those in the dugout all winter, all early season, February, March. And then we just put that heater in the back room in like a closet kind of room. And guys would just go put their bats in front of it, the inning before they're at BAB. And you walk into the plate and that thing is freaking scorching hot. <laughs> and it becomes a trampoline. It yeah. gives it a trampoline effect, the soft metal or alloy or whatever. So everybody doing something. Everybody is doing something. Yes. Every team is trying to get that upper hand. And it's Why hard. Like, and and it's so easy now with these, like, you know, remember, you know, like the stickers they have to put on the bats to say that oh, like, oh, it's whole, been tested. Tony, Tony, the Mike Concho. Yeah. The, the Tony Vitello. Like every team is finding ways around that you know and i think the offensive numbers have been uh proof that there's been some tamperings of the bats but um anyway i don't know i don't think the ncaa cares i don't think they're gonna crack down on it um, they only care they only care when it become public knowledge yep because yep. they gotta yep. say things and be the worldwide leader in in fair play in amateur sports that's literally yep. the ncaa if they if the public doesn't know about it they don't care Right. Um, let's see if there was any other upsets that I really want to talk about. I mean, obviously there was a lot, but not like a oh. Sure, I'm not missing any big ones here. Like Clemson smacked Coastal. Um, Columbia smacked UConn. FAU. I mean, I mean, shout out to- oh, oh, I want to talk about this East Carolina NC State game. So that was the game I spent most of my day watching. Like I was watching it live, and uh, Jacob Jenkins Coward uh, hit three homers, three piece hat trick, wow. um, and and they ended up winning thirteen to nine. But dude, ECU needed that win because after losing two out of three to Houston opening weekend in AAC play, like if you lose this NC State game. You're one in three in your last four. You're probably pushing yourself out of a hosting picture. But, you know, I think 
that win at home probably helps their their regional hosting um, uh, resume. I mean, it's in the one beginning. game, but it's just one game, but it adds up. I mean, it's just like you can sit there and nitpick a team and say, "Oh wow, they lost that midweek to um, Wake Forest back in uh, February." In February, if they would have won that game, that would help. So you can't. It's kind of not fair to single out a game with, of course, recency bias and stuff. But there's too much baseball left to be played to. Yeah, I mean, if East Carolina would have lost that game last night, I don't think it would have really changed much. It just helped them. It doesn't really, it doesn't hurt them. If that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, um, so Boston College almost lost a four and sixteen UMass yesterday. They were down um, ten to two in the fourth inning, and then Boston College ended up winning thirteen to twelve. But that would have been a bad midweek loss if they would have lost that there. And then um, the final game I want to talk about in the midweek was the granddaddy of them all, North Carolina at, or I guess, North Carolina versus South Carolina in Charlotte, Truist Field. Um, and South Carolina shut them out. They shut out that really good North Carolina offense. Legit. And I thought that that would be a look ahead game. I thought South Carolina was going to get smoked. Um, you have LSU coming to town on Thursday, much more focused on that. Like, nope. South Carolina went out there and they were they were winning that game. They they brought out um, I know he's mostly a reliever, but uh, Eli Jones I think his name is um, out of the bullpen. I thought, Matt, I, thought uh, I thought Becker started that game. Yeah, but Eli Jones came out of the bullpen. Oh, okay, 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 okay. Yeah, I'm like doubt. I think it's Eli Jones, man. Um, yeah, Eli Jones. There we go. Came out of the bullpen. I mean, but he wasn't projected to start this week anyways because Will Sanders is back in the rotation. But um, it, it would yeah, be Will nice. Is back. Yeah, but I don't think Eli Jones is going to be uh, eligible to pitch Thursday. Not eligible. I, mean, I don't think he will pitch Thursday night, which if they didn't care about this game, they would have saved him for that, kept him in the bullpen for Thursday night. But, um, but yeah, I mean, it was kind of cool. It was cool to see. South Carolina win a game in a different way. Not a, I don't think they hit a single home run. It was just like singles and doubles. Yeah. So shows me Dude, that they're I, a good complete I, team. I can't help myself but look at the score, the scoreboard from yesterday. Alabama 10, a double digit. Arizona State double digit. Austin P, UT Martin 35 combined run. Ball State 12 run. Baylor 10 run. Um Mississippi State 21. LSU 12. Little Rock 12. Texas A&M, 10. Lipscomb, 12. William Mary, 13. Mount St. Mary, 10. Miami, 14. Mercer, 19. Michigan, 12. Monmouth, St. Peter, 30 combined runs. Charlotte, 10 runs. Clemson, 16. You you get the point. Almost every single game had at least one team scoring double-digit runs. I don't remember it being this ridiculous. No, not at all. Like, not even close. I mean, it is ridiculous. Like, how, but yeah, I mean, just another midweek, I guess, in the years of 2023. Right. Um, oh, yeah. DBU, DBU and Sam Houston State combined for 32 damn runs. 19 to 13 final. That's a football game. And we are seeing more and more of it. That's not a baseball game. Yeah, I was watching that game. The ball was freaking flying off the bats. I mean, it was going an extra 30 feet than what it should have been. Dude, St. Louis and 
Um, Southern Illinois Edwards, SIU, SIUE, 33 combined with 19 to 4, 14 final. Like, what is this? It's not my baseball, not my college baseball. New Orleans put up 21 runs on a decent, not a terrible Jackson State team. Like, what are these? What are these scores? Towson, UMBC, 28 combined run, 15 to 13 final. I mean, 38 combined hits, 33 combined hits, 29 combined hits. Like, what is this? But, but all right. Anyway, let's, uh, you ready to move on? Yeah, let's, let's preview the weekend here and then call it a show. Our Wi Fi is kind of going in and out. So, um, a little bit shorter episode today. I know it's past midnight Italian time. Um, so what hey, we- I will say, since you brought it up, right now I'm hotspotting my phone, and it's been pretty good. It's been pretty good. I've been hotspotting my phone. Our connection's been pretty good. I actually bought Elon Musk Starlink satellite internet. For any of the listeners out there, I'm super excited um, to- Tell me what that is. I don't, know it. I don't know that nerdy stuff. What is that? So basically, it's a satellite internet where you don't need a landline. You don't need a connection coming from the ground. It is purely satellite connection internet. So is it supposed to be better? What? Is it supposed to be better? Better than what? I mean, it's what? not better than fiber or one, one gigabyte internet. It's not like better than those because landlines will always be better. Okay. I mean, the internet is obviously at a, at a certain source is coming from satellite, all internet is. But when you have a massive server that's getting those satellites and then you're taking that internet and spreading it out via landline cable, it's obviously going to be better than an individual satellite panel that you can put on top of your house. You can put it wherever. And you can put it on top of your car and have Wi-Fi in your car while driving. Oh, now that's cool. Like, uh, what it, that's what it's for for and want internet everywhere they go so I, I bought it and I'm excited to try it out I'm, I'm interested to see how good it is too I think I'll get it next week so yeah yeah it's all like right 50 bucks it's like 50 bucks a month um I'm gonna be splitting it with someone else but like 50 bucks a month and let's so let's see I'm excited to see how good it is because I'm I, I'm, I like Elon Musk. I think he's the innovator. So um, I'm excited. This to be the first product of his that I've ever actually tried. Like I've never, obviously I don't own a Tesla or anything like that. Well, you own a Twitter account. So that's a product of his. Ooh, you're right. But he but <laughs> got a direct product of his that he, but he didn't build. He's the owner now, but he didn't build it. Yeah. All right. So let's do our weekend series pick them here. Um, obviously we're both out of the survivor pool, but I was looking at our, our season long standings with everybody who's you know contributing and playing with us. There's four people tied for first place, um, which is cool. And then there's about another, another 10 that are game out. So there's still a lot of, uh, I mean, a lot of meaningful baseball being played the rest of the year. The, um, I'm going to give these guys a shout out here for the, uh, who's tied for first place. Let's see here. We have, um, so we have B Block 22. He's 31 and 10. Drew Miller, 31 and 10. Beef Baseball, 31 and 10. Midwest Aggie, 31 and 10. And then we have at least six tied at second. I think it's more than this. Just our leaderboard, leaderboard only goes to 10. Uh, but we got Guitar, 
guitar kachek. It looks like guitar and architect put together. Guitarchitect, 82, <laughs> 30 and 11. D Moore, 113, 30 and 11. Jay Smith, Chuck Johns, CK State, 11. And Cola Ball, or Cola B Ball, 1, 31, or sorry, 30 and 11. Um, it's a tight race. I don't want to say my record because I think it might be below 500. But, um, yeah. Hey, uh, I just want to make sure everybody knows that I had a, I went six and zero last week. Um, my first one of the year. So my current record is now eleven and one. Since the day I said no more bullshit, no more having fun with our pick. I am eleven and one. So just take that however you will. I know I'm zero and three in my three series that I just straight up switched last minute for no reason. I should be, I'm 25 and 16. I should be 26 and 15. But you made a selfish move to make me move my pick from Florida to Miami that weekend. We knew Florida. Was I hope Florida. you lose by one game and then we can just blame me. Wait, Ben, you, your record is actually um, 21 and 20. I'm above 500. You're, you went four and two. You were a game under, and now you're a game over. Listen, for everybody listening, I'm not losing another series the rest of the year. I'm going to finish the year 24 and 0. 24 and 0. No, no. I mean, no. You mean 30, 36, 42 and 0? Oh, shoot. You're right. I was thinking, I don't know what I was doing. I don't know where that math came up. 42 and 0. I'm finishing. If you went 42 and 0, you would finish the year 63 and 20. Is that a good pick em record? Yeah, I mean, that that would be good. Yes, probably good enough for first place. All right, but here we go. Let's get this thing started. Um, I want to start here with Florida at Tennessee. All right, so um, the second biggest SEC weekend or SEC series of the weekend behind LSU at South Carolina, in my opinion. But this is two teams with as much firepower as LSU, and maybe – more firepower than South Carolina. Um, Florida has definitely played better baseball all year compared to Tennessee, but I do like where Tennessee is moving. Like they could have, Tennessee could have won that LSU series if they would have made a couple defensive plays um, throughout the weekend. What, what I'm going to say about this series is starting pitching is through the roof. You're looking at six first round draft picks between the two teams and the starting pitchers, in my opinion, at least. I don't see any way that these six don't get drafted in the first round. Uh, um, I don't know. I, I don't think Brandon Spro will be a first rounder. He'll probably oh, be a I top do. three. Top, I, I think, think he's Spro- second, second, early third kind of guy. In I'm a opinion. big, I'm a big believer in Spro. He needs to ha- actually have a good weekend because last weekend was terrible compared to two weeks ago where he went nine innings, like shut out one hit, I think, allowed. And then last week, and he got kind of hit around. But I guess if there is one player that might not get picked in the first round, it would be Sprout, who's starting tomorrow night uh, for Florida. So for me, I, I'm picking Tennessee in this series. Um, I think no, Florida... Wait, why do you have to do this? Because I, I... So I look at the starting pitchers, and I think Florida's guys have probably an overall better ceiling than Tennessee's guys, but Tennessee's guys like between uh, Dolander and Burns and beam plus, you know, um, uh, the guys out of the bullpen for Tennessee, I think they're much more 
consistent and much more comfortable pitching at home than on the road. And like really, they didn't look bad at all against LSU's offense. Like I thought at times they looked really good. Um, but for you know Caglione, I mean, he's kind of been walking people like crazy. Not not been accurate. Uh, I don't trust him as much on game three. I know his stuff is there, but it's just I don't trust him right now on the on the mound. And then Sprout, like he after such a good performance two weeks ago, he was awful last week. Um, I like Tennessee at home here. I think they're going to win two out of three. Florida hasn't slipped up yet uh, in a weekend series, and they do every year. Florida always will slip up in a, in a weekend series or two. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take the volunteers, and I feel pretty good about it. Ben, I was so con- I was so convinced you were going to take ten- you were going to fade Tennessee. You were going to take Florida this weekend. I was so happy because I was like, let's fucking go. I'm taking Tennessee this weekend. And now that you took Tennessee, it's pissing me off. But I told you, no bullshit. 2023 weekend pick them. Continue. Give me the Tennessee Volunteers. I'm going to make it 12 and one. I you you nailed the point the reasoning you you nailed it the pitching I trust Tennessee's pitching staff way more right now Florida's lineup is really good but I like Tennessee's offense in their home ballpark at Lindsey Nelson Stadium. I'm curious. To, I should have looked it up. I, I want to know which direction the wind is blowing because it's supposed to be windy like all throughout the southeast and the Masters is going to be a shit show like 30 mile an hour gusts. Mm-hmm. If oh, it's blowing, you want to do a little bonus Masters picks at the end of our episode. Yeah, I'll, I'll pick a Masters winner. I, I think I, I like two guys, but um, yeah. But I, the reason why I bring up the wind at Tennessee is like some games when the wind's blowing out. I mean, we might see thirty combined runs per game here, but when it's blowing in and like even um, <laughs> sorry, I almost sneezed. <laughs> but uh, what was I saying? Oh, when the wind's blowing in. You see balls coming like 110 off the bat, not leaving the ballpark. Yeah. <laughs> it sucks. Yeah. But so we both got Tennessee. Yeah, it's, that's that's good. Anyways, uh, next one here. Let's go LSU at South Carolina. I mean, I know on paper this looks like a good series. And I know on paper South Carolina's here, offense here. has been good and all this, but Dude, LSU's not losing this series. I'm sorry. I I am super excited to see Tennessee get tested. I mean, LSU get tested on the road against what's supposed to be a very, very rowdy and loud and energetic Founders Park crowd. They've been hungry for this since 2012. Mm -hmm. I mean, not 2011. Well, 12, they were really good, too. Yeah, they were good, but... Their 2010-2011 national championship season. So let's just say they've been hungry for truly Omaha or bust type relevance for a long time. And this is a very passionate fan base. They will have that place rocking this weekend. And I want to see 10 LSU in front of a hostile opposing crowd Again, a very good team, a very fundamentally, a very energetic, very well-led team. And I, 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 I think LSU will win. They're, they're just that good. P- 
pitching on Sunday is LSU's problem. They can't. They haven't been able to sweep in a series. You're right. LSU has two big, big um, glaring weaknesses. It's hitting on Fridays, like scoring runs for Paul Skeens, and then pitching on Sundays. Like who? I, I saw Christian Little as projected starter for Sunday here, um, the Vanderbilt transfer. They're just continuing to like, or I, I guess a Saturday starter, the game three starter. They're um, shuffling. They're shuffling that third game every week. They're trying to figure out who's going to be the guy. And um, yeah, I mean, if they if they can't score runs against, I mean, if they can't score runs with Paul Skeens pitching, which they haven't in a while. Um, like they could lose the series. Like, don't get me wrong. Like South Carolina could be that good this year. Um, I, I just don't see it happening. Like maybe, maybe South Carolina gets one because LSU can't sweep. They haven't swept an SEC series yet. But I trust that offense. I trust Paul Skeens. Um, and. I, I really trust the fact that Tommy White has officially like arrived in Baton Rouge. He's finally heating up. He's finally rolling. Like he's hitting like the Tommy Tommy White we all know from last year. Um, my question is: Can Ella can can South Carolina keep Friday and Saturday or Thursday and Friday game close? To, I mean, even Saturday. Um, what, what's his name? Ty Floyd is the Saturday Ty guy. Floyd. Yeah. yeah. He's been pitching well, but he's not unbeatable either. So mm-hmm. it's like South Carolina's got to play perfect. You've got to play perfect to beat this LSU team. Just like last year with Tennessee, you had to play perfect to beat them. Yeah, you Notre can't, you can't beat yourself. And Tennessee in Baton Rouge last weekend made some very crucial errors and they beat themselves. I mean, they, it was a 2-2 game in the eighth inning. They were right there. They were a swam the bat away from possibly winning that Friday night game. And so I really want to take South Carolina, and I want to make it bold. But I'm going to I'm gonna be so mad at myself if LSU wins and be like, see, I knew it. I, I knew LSU was going to win. But it would be so much more fun and exciting to take South Carolina this series. But I'm going to stick with LSU. Yeah. Um LSU's keys to win the series are like punch South Carolina in the mouth early, top of the first inning, put up a three or four spot. Um, and like for South Carolina, you just can't give LSU extra outs. You can't can't compound errors. You can't walk people. Um, obviously, be careful who you pitch to, but that lineup is so deep that the next guy can get you, no matter who's I, in the on-deck think- circle. I mean, Tennessee pitching is better than South Carolina, and LSU was able to put up a decent amount of runs against Tennessee. Mm-hmm. I mean, not so much Friday against Dolander, but Dolander was in, in and out, in and out of jam every single inning. One swing at the bat that could have been a five; they could have scored five on him in four innings of work. So, yeah, I like LSU here. Yeah, I'm taking LSU too, but I will be glued to the TV there. Um, and even if South Carolina just takes one, that puts them at nine and four conference, or I'm sorry, uh, nine and three conference record. Like you're well above pace to host a regional. So, anyways, if they can get one, I think that's successful. Um, all right, next series, we got UC Santa Barbara at Fullerton. Now, this is your series, Dimitri. These are your teams right here. You love them both. So, you go first. Hey, hey. 
I'm sticking with the with the Cal State Omaha all the way through the season. Riding with Calderton, California at Goodwin Field. All right. Yeah, I mean, listen, I, I'm a big Fullerton fan here. I have them in my regional projections. Um, I think that much more complete team than we, we've seen in the past. Obviously, they hit for more power. Uh, when I say power, I mean like they're driving balls to the gap. It's hard to hit home <laughs> runs at their field. It's it's huge. But you're not just dumping singles like they used to and butting them over and, you know, the small ball. Like they can actually hit. Um, but I'm, I'm taking UC Santa Barbara here. Like if there is a mid-major blue blood over the last 10 years, it's Santa Barbara. There's consistently winning games, consistently winning tournament. I mean, sorry, series and winning that conference. I like Santa Barbara. I think they have really deep pitching staff. And, um, and at the end of the day, they just know how to win games. So I think they take two against Fullerton. All right. No, yeah, I'm taking Fullerton here. Um, if you look at their stats, they've got a team ERA of around five. They're hitting. They don't have much power. Like their power home run numbers are not what you see like around the country. But it's a hard place to hit. And so, but they're, they're finding ways to win, which is the most important thing. It doesn't matter how you do it. If one team scores 10 and you score 11, you win the game, so what? Your ERA looks terrible, but you found a way to win. If you win the two-to-one game, your team picked great. Hitting didn't do so great. So I think good teams win, so um, we'll find a way to win. Give me the Fullerton Titans. All right. Next series here, we got Oregon State at Oregon. Civil War. Um, Civil War. I'll tell you this. Oregon State, rebuilding year for them, but still, like, they're not out of it. They're not out of the Pac-12 picture. Conference has kind of run through them and Stanford over the last five or six years. Now, Oregon, their RPI is surprisingly super, super low. I believe their RPI is 11 right now. And they're at home here. I think Oregon is a very veteran-led team, and they play great in um, – I almost said in Autzen Field, but that's their football stadium. They play good in Eugene. I can't think of their stadium right now. But I'm taking the Ducks here to win two out of three. I, I think that Oregon State is on the younger end. Like, they're a younger team than what they usually have. Lost a lot of guys in the draft last year. Um, when it comes down to it, like, give me the more veteran team at home. That's kind of a safer pick. But it would not surprise me if the Beavers beat the Ducks two out of three. I love this opportunity to fade Oregon. I think Oregon State is still the top dog. They are the daddies of the state of Oregon. When you go to your son's house, you let him know who daddy is. And that's what the Beavers are going to do this weekend. I would argue that Portland. I'd argue Portland is the best team in Oregon right now. No. <laughs> yeah, come on. Stop it. Daddy is going to his son's house for the cookout. And he is still going to teach him how to grill the burger. He's going to teach him how to crack open a beer. He's going to teach him how to make a mixed drink. This is the beaver going to Eugene and saying, Daddy's home. All right. <laughs> Oregon State. Oregon's daddy, apparently. All right. Um, next series here, we got two left. Abilene Christian at Sam Houston State. I mean, you talk about Daddy. Sam Houston State's been doing it a lot longer than Abilene Christian. In fact, I think Abilene Christian has only been Division One for maybe eight years now, nine years now. Uh, but Sam Houston State seems like every year they just consistently 
win their conference, whether it's the Sun, uh, sorry, the Southland. Um, I didn't, they didn't win their conference last year in the WAC, but just a really good team, easy to recruit, um, great facilities. I like Sam Houston State to win two out of three. They're in first place in the comp. Actually, no, you know what? I forgot. I forgot about this point. I'm taking Abilene Christian. And the reason why is that they didn't play a midweek game. They were supposed to play against Texas Tech. It got canceled. And my thought process was, like, they're going to try to win that Texas Tech game and hurt themselves for the weekend. But they didn't end up playing it. So I want Abilene Christian here. Sam Houston just played a freaking slugfest against Dallas Baptist. They had to use, like, nine pitchers. Um, I'm so sorry to Sam Houston fans, but I'm switching this pick. Give me Abilene Christian on the road. Um, this is a team that has been creeping up our mid-major rankings all year. And uh, they're, they're doing well out there in the WAC conference. So I like the Wildcats here. Give me Abilene. Well, Sam Houston's 11-6 at home. Abilene has played 22 games at home and only five on the road. They're three and two on the road. They've won six straight. I like Sam Houston's schedule way more. It was way tougher. It was way more deeper and better. It was just an overall tougher schedule. They won two against New Mexico last week and then lost the finale. And then they lost to Dallas Baptist. So they've lost two straight. They could lose Thursday and win Friday and Saturday and still be super happy. Isn't that weird? They could lose three straight and still be perfectly happy yeah because they won back to best series but just the way the game's laid out but i really like the bearcats this weekend i like them at home if it was in abilene i would probably roll with the wildcats of abilene christian but we are heading to huntsville texas and i'm gonna roll with the sam houston state bearcats yeah i, I completely skipped over the point that i was gonna make i almost went rogue and i like talked myself into sam houston state but then i had written down here in my notes Abilene game versus Texas Tech canceled equals Abilene win series. Um, if Abilene would have played Texas Tech in the midweek and wasted, you know, all their bullpen guys to try to get that win, that West Texas bragging rights win, um, I would have taken Sam Houston there. But kind of roles flipped. Sam Houston, they had to use pretty much everybody against Dallas Baptist and still lost. Yeah, sure, whatever you want to believe. Yep, that was my reasoning there. Um, last series, Boston College at Louisville. Dude, if you would have said before the year that like this series would be on our weekend pick them, I'd be like, dude, you're crazy. I didn't think Louisville was going to be very good, and I definitely didn't think Boston College was going to be good. Um, this one's this one's interesting because Boston College, I think, has lost three out of four ACC Fridays, like game ones of series, and then won the next two. I think they did it to Virginia. Or I know they did it to Virginia Tech. They did it last week to somebody. Do you have it all pulled up? Yeah, Boston College schedule pulled up. Yeah, what, you want, what, do you want, what do you want me to talk about Boston College? Well, I just I, I I think it was them. I have to double check, but Boston College I think has lost like Friday games and then won the next two a Listen, lot. They lost to Virginia Tech Friday night, won the next two. Lost to Florida State Friday night, won the next two. The only they may lost to Georgia Tech Friday night, won the next two. And, NC State, they lost Saturday instead of Friday. So one, two, three of their four ACC series, they've lost Friday night and come back to win the series. Yeah, man, it's crazy. And um, like Louisville, on the other hand, like they're below 500 in conference. They're four and five. Now, they uh, they did beat Georgia Tech two out of three. They lost two out of three to Notre Dame. 
um, and they lost two out of three to NC State, but they did sweep. Didn't they sweep somebody? What am mm -hmm. I thinking of? What was their yeah. big? Oh, they swept the the Shriners tournament, where they beat Texas A and M, TCU, and Michigan. I was like, I know they had a big sweep this year, but it was a tournament sweep. Um, yeah. yeah. But yeah, I mean, they've lost two out of their three ACC um, weekends, which is not very good. So but they are me, at uh, home here. I'm, I want to hear your pick on this one. Look, all good things come to an end. I think Boston College story has been good this year. It's been fun. Um, they did just give up 12 runs to UMass yesterday. Uh, I think Louisville at home typically is tough to beat. And there's going to be a ton of runs scored. I know it. There always is in that little small bar ballpark they play in. I, I think Louisville is going to be focused. They've lost two ACC series already. You can't mm -hmm. lose a third to Boston College at home. Give me the Cardinals. Dude, why? Why? I, I'm taking Louisville as well at home. Um, I Yeah, I think they're too good of a team to lose this many in a row. Uh, or not in a row, but ACC series in a row. Um, I think they're four and five. They had a little tough stretch at Notre Dame, at NC State, two rows series again. A really, a, I think NC State's a really good team, and Notre Dame, who is still better than most teams in the country. So, um, mm -hmm. they're heading back home. They're going to win the series at home. I think Boston College Cinderella is going to cool off a little bit. Hey, they've been hot. They're going to go cold now, and then they're going to get hot at the end of the year. Give me the Louisville Cardinals. Yeah, you know why I feel good about this is because right now, like Boston College is in national seed territory, and that's not where they fit. No matter how good of a start yeah, it's been, not gonna happen. how good they are, you just can't have Boston College as a national seed. Uh, it, they're going to cool off at some point, and I think it's now. I, I feel really good about this Louisville pick. Um, so cool. I mean, we, we agreed on some. We disagreed on some. I'm interested to see what everybody else's picks are going to be this weekend. Um, once they get them submitted. Um, but I guess to wrap up the show here, let's do um, let's do a couple master's picks. Let's do it. So, yeah, so I'll start. Um, what I'm... I, really, I, really, go ahead. I was going to say, I'm not the biggest golf guy, but I do like sometimes, you know, play like daily fantasy golf or sometimes my buddies will have like a pool or something, I guess you call it where you can pick some golfers, see how they do. I don't watch a ton. I, I kind of keep up with it sometimes. But uh, what I'm most interested in is like, what if a live tour guy wins the Masters? Is that going to be, is that going to shake things up? Like, is that going to like piss some people off? Because there is if like what? 15, there's like 15 live golf tour players playing in this. Um, I don't know. I mean, I mean, the Masters, the Masters, it's the granddaddy of them all. Like, how can the you you can't you can't deny some of the best players in the world from playing in them? Yeah, no, I know exactly. Most of them have earned this spot, but um, like I don't know this year. This year it feels a little different just because we haven't seen some of these guys play in a while. Um, guys like Dustin Johnson, Bryson DeChambeau, um, Brooks Kepka, some of those live golf Cam Smith. Like they don't play as much anymore. Um, so I guess talking about the the Masters. There's three big favorites. Scotty Scheffler, who won it last year, and has probably been the best golfer in the world the last 
12 months, 15 months. Um, him and Rory McIlroy have like the two shortest odds. And uh, John Rahm's not too far behind them. Now, I don't think one of those three favorites is going to win it. Like it would be, it would be safe to say one of them is going to win it. But personally, I think we're going to see like a longer shot player um, with higher odds end up winning it. So I went through and I, I did do a little bit of research because I always enter this little master's pool um, that my friends do. And I think I think my two guys this year, Jordan Spieth, I think he has a good shot to win it just because the weather's supposed to be bad. And he's a uh, he's kind of like a bad weather golfer. Like when when the weather's bad, it like plays to his advantage because he makes like crazy shots all the time. So I think he's at sitting like 19 or maybe 20 to one odds. And then the other one, I, I really do like Brooks Kepka as a live tour player sitting at like 40 to one odds right now. He just won the last live tournament last weekend. And um, everybody knows Brooks Kepka just plays great in majors. He's come in second in the masters before he's never won it. Um, I like his chances. Like he's playing good golf right now. He's healthy again. And uh, he's another bad weather golfer. Like when think when the conditions are tough, he is mentally strong enough to beat his opponent. So um, I'm saying either Spieth or Kepka win it. My two picks, and hey, I am by no means a Masters enthusiast. I just like the Masters. I don't know. I don't follow golf like that, so I don't really know. But I have two names that I like: Will Zalatoris. Oh, Willie Z. <laughs> Will Will Zalatoris, and my other pick is Dustin Johnson. So Zalatoris or Dustin Johnson are my two picks. Yeah, Dustin Johnson won it in twenty twenty, and then. Sal Torres, I think, has come in second in the Masters before. It's wild. Um, well, did he like the best player in the world for a little bit recently? Nah, I don't think he was ever number one. I know because he's young. He hasn't. I think he's only been on the PJ Tour for like two years. But yeah, he's apparently like a stud. So yeah, I mean, those so are good Zalatoris picks. Torres and Dustin Johnson. I'm going to go with those. Those are just literally dart throws. I don't know much about it, but I just love Masters Sunday. I do too. I love the broadcast. I love everything there. It'll be nice not Dude, having it's like so awesome. It's such a yeah. good product. Jim Nance on the call. Um, and then cool. walking up to 18, 18th green, uh, do the fields. Yeah. All right. Well, that, that wraps up the show there. Good episode. Um, glad we got it knocked out here on a Wednesday. We'll be back sometime Sunday. We'll work out a schedule. We'll make sure something's released before Monday. Maybe even Saturday night we might record. Uh, up to you, Dimitri. I don't know what your schedule is, but um, we'll be active on social media. Y'all go check out the website, check out the shop. Um, you know, If you have any suggestions or anything, let us know. But uh, we appreciate everybody that's Patreon members, Twitter followers, whatever you are, uh, just podcast listeners in general. We appreciate you guys and uh, makes our job a lot easier just to entertain you. So, um we'll uh we'll wrap it up there and we'll see you guys at the end of the weekend we won a national championship for for Ole Miss and um all the past players and all the fans across the country and for the state of Mississippi and the University of Mississippi uh we did it uh, we're national champs breaking ball
hit. Arkansas is headed back to Omaha. And here's Tommy White. First pitch swinging. In the air to center. D'Onofrio back and it's gone. The legend continues. Got him swinging. The Campbell Campbells, the dynasty of the Big South. And now Tony Vitello bumps the third base umpire. Set. He'll throw that as a line drive in the gap. Did he do it again? It is another ball in the gap for Morrell. Another extra. Oh, that is gone. A home run for Brian Morrell. Swing and a ball driven. Way back. And foul. No, gone. He did it. Ortiz kept it just bare and walks it off with a grand slam. Titanic with a blast again. <laughs> Melendez doesn't get cheated. 